We're, we're potty training my son right now, so I was up like eight times cleaning poo off of everything. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. This episode is sponsored by Component One, makers of Widgmo. If you need stunning UI elements or awesome graphs and charts, then go to widgmo.com and check them out. Don't panic, be for most of this podcast is sponsored by JetBrains, makers of WebStorm. Whether you're working with Node.js or building the front end of your web application, WebStorm is the tool for you. It has great code quality and code exploration tools and works with HTML5, Node, TypeScript, CoffeeScript, Harmony, Less, Sass, Jade, JSLint, JSHint, and the Google Closure Compiler. Check it out at jetbrains.com slash webstore. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 74 of the JavaScript Jabber Show. This week on our panel we have AJ O'Neill. I'm eating beef jerky. Jameson Dance. Hello. We have a special guest. Um, I guess you're a guest and filling in for uh, Merrick and Joe, and that's Ryan Florence. Hey, how's it going? I don't know if I can fill two shoes, but I will try. Well, you have two feet, right? Okay. Oh, four shoes. <laughs> I'm Charles Maxwood from DevChat.tv. We also have another special guest, and that is Ben Allman. Yo, what's up, everyone? So do you want to introduce yourself, Ben, since you haven't been on the show before? I'm Ben Allman. Oh, okay. Uh, so uh, <laughs> that's, that's, all, that's really all he needs. <laughs> that's it. Uh, the show's over. Roll credits. Um, so I'm, uh, yeah, I'm Ben. Um, you can find me online as Cowboy on Twitter or GitHub, and I'm at BenAlman.com. And uh, if you Google me, I've finally got enough SEO juice to beat the other Ben Alman, who's the orthopedic surgeon for sick children in Canada. So screw you guy who helps six kids uh so (laughs) no no like it's cool it's cool right but like for a while i was like damn this guy but like i can't but i can't do anything because he like helps sick children so there's another benjamin almond out there doing like things for society and me i just code um so i work at boku we're at boku.com our logo is a rooster bob the rooster um and we make a lot of cool web and open web and open source stuff. And so I do training there. Um, I teach people JavaScript and jQuery, but I also work on uh, open source tools. I spend a lot of my time actually behind the scenes in Node, writing JavaScript, experimenting, R&D, writing tools, etc. Awesome. So I have to ask before we get into the topic of the show, you've got the Twitter handle Cowboy. Did you have to join like number four to get that or something or you know like one day in like 2007 i don't even know someone was like hey there's this thing (laughs) uh i'm check check it out and i was like okay and i went to twitter and i signed up and i literally didn't use it for two years i just had cowboy and nobody like requested cowboy or i don't know how it works with those guys uh i mean i know enough people at twitter now where i could probably be like yo bro hook me up or something but but uh, yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, at the time, it was uh, you know I just registered it and I didn't touch it for a couple of years until finally like Twitter was blowing up and it was like, huh, people are you actually using this thing that I don't really want to use? And just I think pretty much like everything, <clears throat> very reluctant to try new technologies. And so like you know I, it was really hard to get me into using Node at first. 
And now, hey, look, <laughs> that's like all I do. But like Twitter, yeah, I had it. Nobody, I just sat there for two years with one tweet, which is like, is this thing on? And then finally I started using it. And and now I uh, get tons of missed tweets from, uh, let's see, at Cowboy Stadium, at Cowboy J Storm, Cowboy Troy, Cowboy Grill, Cowboy everything, like all the time. It's pretty awesome. Uh, so in, in retrospect, Cowboy is cool. It's a nickname I've actually had in real life since about 1995. And I managed to get it online in a few places like GitHub and, and Twitter, which is cool. But in retrospect, I don't know. It's it's almost a liability <laughs> just because <laughs> all the, the crap it gets thrown at me on Twitter. So are you a cowboy coder? You know what? It's It's really funny. I am the opposite of a cowboy coder. I like... I love to work in groups of other people. I, I'm constantly trying to find people to bounce ideas off of to get like second opinions. Like I've been doing this for a long time, so I generally trust my intuition, but I really, really value like working with other people on projects, not just for the kind of like other point of view, but also like it helps they, you know, you, you can help motivate each other and you can like look at each other's code and you can like catch mistakes or, you know, just, someone just comes up with some idea you never thought of before. And it's like, oh, that's brilliant. Like, I, I never would have thought of that. So I, I, I love to work with people. And you'll if I'm like, I'm at conferences all the time talking about the latest thing I'm working on, just asking people, like, how would you use something like this, you know, and getting their, their ideas. So I'm like, yeah, it's ironic. I'm not a cowboy coder at all. I think I got a great intro and segue from what you just said for this episode. Wait, wait, what is a cowboy coder? Well, it's like someone who just goes out and just does their own thing, like recklessly, like without really heeding, like, oh, screw that story that I have to work on. I'm just going to work on some stuff like that I want to work on, you know, who cares or or not like following code guidelines mm-hmm. or just kind of like not really fitting in. Someone who's just kind of a, I don't know, kind of a, a dick, loose you know? cannon. Yeah, loose cannon. Yeah, they'll get they'll get the feature halfway done. Check it in. Totally bust everything. Yeah, yeah that sounds I'm- awesome. I'm going to start doing that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. Like, uh, in, in the classes I teach, um, there's a lot of stuff that I, you know, that I would just call best practices that's come out of me doing things the wrong way and working in teams and just making mistakes for, you know, the last 14 years or whatever that I try to really teach people to not be cowboy coders. And I don't use the term or anything, but the whole idea is just like, you know, you are, you're most likely part of a team. <laughs> so, yeah. So Ryan, you know. what were you going to say? So, uh, I, th- I think I got a nice intro here for what we're going to be talking about. I was at Texas JavaScript a few years ago. I don't know if you remember this, Ben, but you and I were sitting there, uh, in between talks and, uh, I was showing you what I had just done with Ender, not Ember, but you remember Ender from, uh, Small Dustin talk? and Jacob? Yeah, sure. It, it was oh, uh, no, not small talk. Like the it's oh, that's Amber. Okay, yeah, that's Amber. So Ender E N D R it's still around. Uh, anyway, it's a little kind of uh, front end package manager, um, a little bit like Bower, I guess. Now it's um, it kind of a tool to help you like build your things into packages for deployment. Yeah, of. yeah, yeah. So um, I was getting, I was pretty interested in it, and so as an experiment, I had split up all of jQuery UI into these little. Uh, repositories for each little component. Oh then, yeah, right. I do remember this. Yeah, yeah. I and this. so I, and I, I showed, thought you. I think I thought you were insane at the time. Oh well, yeah. I still just am. because well, just because jQuery UI is huge, and that was like a lot of work. 
Yeah, yeah, it was it was a lot of work. And then that, uh, but like I got it done. You could just do like Ender install jQuery UI autocomplete, and it would pull in just the pieces of jQuery UI that autocomplete needed, and then make the build. And you and I were talking about, man, this is cool, but splitting this up into several repositories is so painful, especially because of the tooling. Because you know all the jQuery UI components wanted the same kind of tests and just just all these tools to build the library. And so we were talking about kind of the difficulties and what we could do about that. And then uh, you started to tell me that you had been thinking about this as well because you wanted to split it up and uh, or just work on smaller projects, but you didn't know how to share the tooling and you wanted to build something to fix that. And then I think right then you started to write code to what eventually became Grunt. Yeah, well, I, I started working, I mean, this has been like a long process for me. So it's like, I'm not just this guy who like, two years ago was like, hey, everyone, check out this grunt thing that I just thought of. Like, I've been thinking about automation and basically making my life easier. Like, you know, I'm a lazy coder uh, and I want to I wanna do the best job I can with the least effort possible. And so for a long time, I mean, okay, so I've got like 50 jQuery plugins, right? I'm the grunt guy now, but I used to be the jQuery plugin guy. <laughs> yeah, um, when the repository went down, I remember everyone <laughs> tweeted saying, Oh, hey, the new jQuery plugins uh, website is just Cowboy's website. It's just like that. <laughs> GitHub.com slash Cowboy. Basically. Yeah, so um, I was the jQuery plugin guy. Now I'm the grunt guy. But I, I was, um, so in case you guys are listening, some of you haven't really got the message yet. I'm, I'm now the grunt guy. So don't ask me about jQuery plugins anymore. So um, <clears throat> I actually started before writing grunt. I had a bunch of shell scripts that I would use in all of my jQuery plugins. Every time I would release one, I would build the document uh, documentation using natural docs, which looked at like, it was like a Perl thing that looked at um, code comments and built, you know, a whole website for documentation. And I would like lint my code and I would run unit tests and do a whole bunch of stuff to build the project to release it. And it was like, they were pretty customized shell scripts. And then like I lost that machine or something happened where I changed my development practice and I no longer had these shell scripts. And I was like, wow, maintaining these projects sucks now because I have a whole bunch of them and people are filing issues. And I literally don't want to fix the issues because then I would have to rebuild my build process. So it was just nothing was getting fixed. And so I was like, okay, I need to come up with a better way. I want to, I want to be able to check something in with each project instead of having it just floating around on my dev machine so that, like I will no longer ever lose my build process. Like <clears throat> it'll just be part of the project. So I started looking into things. I, I didn't want to use make because uh, the main reason I didn't want to use make is because I was dealing with JSON files here and there and make like it runs bash commands. And I don't know if you've ever tried to deal with JSON in bash, but like it's a nightmare. You, you could like get one value out of a JSON file and then get it into something else. But like, if you want to use JSON to build like templates of things or something, like it is a nightmare. So make was out. I started looking at rake. I was, I was fooling around with Ruby a bit then. And then I actually started looking at Jake, which is basically like make in JavaScript. And I started building a big Jake file. Like, okay, I want to be able to concatenate these files. I want to be able to rebuild the headers. I want to be able to minify them. And so like I was building this Jake file that was like really big because you know, for me, concatenating multiple files together isn't just like, you know, cat a.js, b.js to, to output.js. Cause I wanted to like show log, like I wanted to have nice logging on the screen and show me like the stats afterwards and have like really nice 
like UI, even though it's a command line tool, I want to have a nice UI. So my Jake file started getting to be a thousand lines long. And I was just like, okay, this Jake file works for this project. And so my next project, uh, the, you know, of the 40 or 50 projects I had, am I going to copy this Jake file over to the other project then? Like, then I'd have to maintain it across multiple projects. It was going to get kind of ridiculous. And I was like, I could make it a Git submodule, but then that also has its own pain points. And uh, I was like, you know what? I'm going to make a tool to do this. Now, maybe what I should have done is just make a bunch of little modules that I could have published individually and then required in my Jake file. But psh, I didn't want that. I want like a command I can type, right? And I don't even know when I came up with the name Grunt, but I came up with the name Grunt. And it was like, sweet, I have a command. Um, but eventually, like, yeah, I was working with Rick Waldron, who was dealing with jQuery, and he was using my Jake file in jQuery. And I started working on this tool, this this thing that I was calling Grunt, that it would, like, have all of the common stuff built in. Like, JS Hint would be built in, and concatenation and uglification, uh, uglify for minification. Those all be built in. Unit testing would be built in, et cetera. I actually had a whole thing built in also that I added after the fact as a kind of afterthought to do scaffolding of new projects, which didn't really fit in, but I made it work because uh, it was something I really wanted to use. And so then I published it as Grunt like a couple of years ago and people started using it. It was, it was pretty interesting. People liked that it was just something they would install globally and it did all of this stuff for them. The problem is, is because you installed it globally and all of these things were built in. So every time someone wanted to like, they're like, oh, Ben, we need you to update the, the version of JS Hint that's inside of Grunt. And then like, I would do that, and I would release a new version of Grunt, but that version of JS Hint would have s- slightly different behavior, and it would cause like a regression somewhere else so that other people using Grunt would all of a sudden have problems. And so we realized that having the plugins, like the core functionality, like all these, or the, the things that would now be, are now plugins, having those built into Grunt was a mistake because it meant we had to literally release a new version of Grunt every time we wanted to update one of the little plugins. So we, for the latest version, we made them all plugins. They're all totally separate. Grunt loads them. You just install Grunt, and then you install the plugins separately, put them all together. Um, I, I actually I remember being kind of put off by that. I was like, whoa, these things are just like a part of it. And uh, yeah, that's why I didn't give it a, a fair shake in the early days. I have learned so many things about releasing like a tool like this um, since... Uh, since I started, like, there, I did so many things the wrong way. Um, and even thinking about having a tool like Grunt that, that consumes plugins, a lot of people say that's the wrong way to do it. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, it's nice to have modules that you can require and use independently. Like, you know, why have like a Grunt JS Hint plugin? Why not just require JS Hint and use it? And so what's nice about having the plugin approach is because they all go through Grunt. They all have a really standard interface. And, uh, you know, you use them all in the same kind of way. So, like, if you're using the JS Hint plugin and using the Uglify plugin, you're going to configure them almost exactly the same way. They'll connect with Grunt the same way. So it's kind of nice that they're plugins. That being said, I mean, I could have also come up with a spec for how these these kind of what is now a Grunt plugin could behave. Like, it could be a generic node task. And then well, as long as your task follows the spec, it would just work and you could string them together, which is actually something that we've been kind of working on behind the scenes for a future version of Grunt. Um, I actually just, I just barely crossed that, that gap. I know you follow me on Twitter, so you've probably seen me complain about Grunt. And, uh, 
I just now, like the last couple of months, crossed that gap of realizing, okay, this is great that these all have the same interface. Sure, there's SAS already has its own binary. JSN already has its own binary. But like I've caught that uh, guess, right. and, uh, and that's, realization and it, that, wow, this is great because I can declaratively well, it, configure these things. Hold on. Yeah. So when you're talking about what you were complaining about before and now you understand can, can you just specify like what the pain was and what you didn't understand cuz I, I didn't totally follow that so one of the things well for example one of the things i didn't understand is that i thought that you you know you could take a tool like this and publish it globally and then everyone could just use it in their projects and so you know oh why have local node modules for your project just use the in globally installed grunt okay so the problem there is that, like Let's say you have Grunt 0.3 installed and and you're using that in five of your projects. And then someone else, you're like, you have to clone someone's project and they're using 0.3.5 because that made some really awesome change to the JS hint functionality that was built in in the global install of Grunt. And that's awesome. It's great for their project, but it doesn't work with 0.3 because that change maybe happened in 0.3.5. So um, so the you inst- you'd like okay, I'm going to uninstall 0.3 globally and I'll install 0.3.5. Great. Now the new project works, but if you go back to the other projects that use 0.3, they're like, oh, well, we're not compatible with 0.3.5 because not only did they add some cool features, they changed some of the old stuff that we were dealing with. So what it became very obvious very quickly that you can't have multiple different versions of Grunt installed globally simultaneously. And so it doesn't actually scale if you're working on different projects that might use different versions of Grunt. So we had to change the way that people use Grunt. Instead of installing Grunt globally, Grunt is actually installed locally into your project. You put it in your project's package.json file. When you type in npm install, you'll get the version of Grunt that you want installed locally in your project. So every different project can have its own version of Grunt. Now, if every one of your projects happened to use the same version of Grunt, well, it's going to occupy a little bit of extra space in your hard drive, and that's a problem, honestly, for NPM to solve. Uh, then, you know, in how they manage their, um, you know, redundant installs of things if they want to optimize for that. But that was something we learned with Grunt. Don't install Grunt globally; install it locally. Now, that being said. Installing it globally gives you the grunt command. And so you could install it locally, but then you'd have to type in npm grunt this, npm grunt that. And I didn't want people to have to do that because it's just nice to type in grunt. So we created this separate tool called grunt CLI. You just install that globally, and all that does is it finds the local version of grunt that you have installed in your project and runs that. So contextually, whenever you're in any project, it will just tie the grunt command to whichever grunt that project happens to have installed locally. But this is something we had to learn the hard way. And there's a lot of things like this, you know, breaking out plugins so that they're no longer installed, uh, they no longer come bundled with Grunt. That allows us to maintain the plugins and Grunt separately, which is a huge, absolutely gigantic for maintenance. Uh, and it's really opened it up. So there's there's like 1,300 Grunt plugins now. I mean, it's ridiculous. I don't know if any of them work, but uh, there's like 1,300 of them out there. There's like, you know, a lot of these things. Oh, here, here's another thing I learned. I use underscore, I use Lodash actually inside of uh, Grunt. It was underscore, we switched it over to Lodash. So inside of Grunt, anytime you're dealing with templates in Grunt, it just uses that version of Lodash. What I did is I exposed that version of Lodash as grunt.underscore. So you could actually use Lodash in any of your projects too. You wouldn't have to re- like install it in your package uh, JSON as a dependency and like require it. It was built into Grunt. 
And so people are like, hey, we want you to update the version of Lodash that's in Grunt because it's added some stuff that they want. Well, the problem is, is it works just fine for Grunt. If I, and all of the unit tests that I care about pass with the version that's in there, even though it's not the latest version, the instant I upgrade to a new version, I mean, maybe all of my unit tests will still pass, but someone using Grunt somewhere out there, they might be using some of that old functionality that all of a sudden is going to be broken. So if I was going to upgrade anything that I've got built into Grunt that I happen to expose, like Lodash or Async or one of the other libraries that I happen to have exposed in Grunt, it means I have to actually go from 0.4 to 0.5 instead of releasing a 0.4.2 because it, it would introduce backwards baking changes. And so I, I re- so this is the thing is like when you have a project that is used by this many people, and I'm like looking at it, it's like downloaded 200,000 times a month. This is redonkulous, right? Like I have to be very responsible about how I manage the project and how I release new versions. And so there's a lot of issues where people are like, hey, do this, hey, do this. And I'm like, I just, I can't do it. Like I can't, I can't do that thing that seems totally reasonable because it's gonna screw a bunch of people over and like I have to be super careful. So I'm learning I've learned a lot of things about this. Uh, yeah, if you haven't done something at scale before, uh, it's hard to understand why someone who is doing something at scale is saying no to you. Yeah, and, and my, my whole thing is like, if someone wants a feature, that's awesome. You know, file an issue. Maybe if it makes sense, we'll go in there. But like, I'm only going to add features that really, 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 really make sense. Because once I add something in there, it's really hard. Any of you guys who've made an API before know it's really hard to remove something once you've added it into an API, and I am not going to do anything half-assed, or I'm going to try really hard to avoid doing anything half-assed. So things take time. The good thing, though, is that, I mean, Grunt 041 is out. I want to release 042 and fix a handful of bugs that are totally legit that shouldn't cause any major problems and just help people out. But it's been pretty stable, and people have used it, and like we've been able to close most of the issues that people have filed because it, they're not really problems where they can be worked around. So it's it's gotten a lot of use and it's been like it's I've been sitting back and watching it trying to figure out how I want to do things next and we're actually tackling that now by working on some of the underlying libs and breaking them out into separate libraries like I'm doing a logging library now and I'll do the file library next and I already did the globbing wildcard handling library that's really cool um I'm going to jump in here really quickly because um we had a couple of things come up in the chat room our our little uh behind the scenes chat and one of them was is I'm not sure we were explicitly we i'm not sure we explicitly stated what what grunt is like what it does you've you've kind of mentioned the main purpose of it initially at least was to manage a build process and we've compared it to make and rake which are task systems is is that all it is is it just a system to run tasks in your system in your app or is there more to it than that no at, at its core really it's a t- javascript task runner like it will allow you to automate things that you don't want to have to do manually and it will allow you to configure them with the file that's saved in your project so just like make or rake or any of these other things but like the reason you would choose grunt over some other thing like like jake for example is that there's a lot of plugins and they've all been built hopefully to conform to the general usage guidelines that we have for grunt which specifies like a very strict way of saying like here are your source files, here are your destination files, here's like how you can specify your options in ways that can be overridden. And like, 
there's like there's a lot of like little conventions that we have in Grunt that are a little verbose sometimes, but they really help cover a lot of use cases and make them feel the same. So it's like some people complain that Grunt files are a little wordy. They're a little verbose. It's a lot of configuration. But the whole point of that is, is so that like when you want to switch from a JS hint task to an Esprima task or something, the configuration is going to be largely the same. It'll just have different options. But like if you're using CLI tools, there's like a JS hint CLI tool and an Esprima CLI tool. The way you use those CLI tools is like completely differently. Like the options are passed totally differently. They work totally differently. So the whole point of using Grunt is so that you can, it's just really, once you get to use it a little bit, you can just start using plugins and it's very quick to ramp up and use new plugins. So earlier I said that I kind of crossed a gap that you're talking about and, and that's exactly it is, uh, the way it, what clicked for me is I realized, oh, Ben is jQuery guy or used to be and Grunt is jQuery for command line tasks. Like it wraps it up. It gives you the same API to all of these tools, just like jQuery wraps up all the different DOM things like back when we had attach event versus add event in IE versus other browsers. So that's kind of what clicked is, hey, now I've got this API that's going to be the same no matter which tool I'm using in my build uh, chain. Yeah, and that's and that's the whole thing. And, and you know, there's there's so many plugins for Grunt. Like, there's there's one that allows you to shell out. So, like, uh, one of the plugins we maintain is uh, a SaaS plugin. Now, SaaS is Ruby. And we actually, uh, we looked into using libsass, which is there's like a node version of like SaaS as a lib. It's a little bleeding edge right now, and it doesn't meet everyone's use cases, so we're not using that. We actually shell out to SaaS. So you'd need you'd need to have Ruby and SaaS installed in your system in your path for the SaaS uh, the contrib officially maintained SaaS plugin to work. And so there's a performance hit because it has to shell out and do that, but it does work. And some people like I like Stylus. I use Stylus for my CSS abstraction. It does everything I need. SaaS is very popular, and so a lot of people like it, but I would just tell anyone to try Stylus out before SAS simply because if you're using it in a JavaScript build process, it's just going to build a lot faster. And when you're doing development and want to see that live reload happen, you want to see it happen as quickly as possible. So, but there's a lot of options. There's like every single CSS preprocessor out there has some kind of Grunt plugin for it because people are are using this thing. But you configure them all in very similar ways, you know, just uh, different options. Yeah, so you said uh, uh, I'm I'm gonna bring in a little grunt grumpy here. Um, you want the build to go as fast as possible, right? I know you've sat down with uh, Yehuda Katz and Tom Dale recently about grunt and them looking at using it for Ember and um, talking about rake pipeline and possibly grunt pipeline, uh, yes. where basically with grunt you have to copy your whole whole file, your whole directory over, and then perform tasks on those files, and you're writing in and out to the file system, and it takes a long time. And especially for big projects, you even end up hitting like the uh, file descriptor limits and things like that. Tell me about that conversation about, or tell us about that conversation about Grunt Pipeline. So, and let me introduce that real quick. The idea of Rake Pipeline is, instead of working on a bunch of files, instead you have like a single stream that you just like move through a bunch of tasks, sort of like how you can pipe things in a, a command line tool, pipe a string to another function, to another program, to another program. The pipeline does the same thing with this build of your file. So can you kind of tell us about uh, if you're working on that, what the conversation was like with Yehuda, et cetera? 
Well, yeah, I've I've talked to I've talked to Yehud and Tom. I work with uh, Joe Liss as well, and uh, Tyler Kellen, who is um, who's been working with me on Grunt for a while, um, has worked on something called Node Task, which is a kind of a preliminary idea for how we can instead of having Grunt plugins, more of just a more general. This is a spec that tells a task runner like Grunt how to interact with your thing that will be configured in a standard way. Um, there's there's a few pain points uh, when dealing with Grunt projects when you're dealing with a lot of files. Now, first of all, when I created Grunt, I, de- I created it to help me manage my jQuery plugins, which are like six files each, right? There's a unit test file, there's a source file, there's a license, you know, there's not a whole heck of a lot going yeah, on. Yeah, not a million so, line count. App. Yeah, and so people started using this for web apps where they're like, okay, I have like, you know, 150 CoffeeScript files that all need to be compiled to JavaScript. Like, it handles that, but I didn't write it with that in mind. So... Now that I'm looking at it, and for a while now, I've been thinking about ways to optimize this. Like when you're like when you change a CoffeeScript file, you don't want it to have to rebuild all of your CoffeeScript files. You want it to be able to rebuild just one CoffeeScript file. Now, one of the things that Grunt doesn't do is internally it doesn't keep track of you know uh, your depend- dependency graph based on some file. Like okay, what files will need to re- be rebuilt if this file changes of your CSS, of your JavaScript, of your stylist, or whatever. Um, that's something that Make does. Make does very well, and other tools do very well. Uh, Rake Guard, Guard. Guard and Ruby so, is pretty popular, mm-hmm. right? And so there are tools that do that. Uh, Grunt doesn't do that built in, and we've been trying to figure out a way to get that to happen. So the first thing that would need to happen if Grunt were to do that built in is every single plugin Grunt would have to say to a plugin, "Hey, so this is the file I know about." Can you tell me, are there any additional dependencies that I should know about that I don't? Like if you gave it a stylus file and that stylus file had a lot of imports, it would hand back all of the files that get imported. So you'd have a big list of files for Grunt to watch. And there is a watch plugin for Grunt. We officially maintain it. Uh, Shama, Kyle Robinson, he, uh, he maintains the, uh, the Grunt Contrib watch plugin now using Gaze, which is his own like lib for handling FS notify events and stuff. That will actually watch. You could say, hey, watch this entire file system for JavaScript file changes, and whenever one of them changes or any number of them changes, rerun this task. And it can actually do that. But right now, we haven't come up with a standard way for it to say, okay, uh, so-and-so task, of all of these files that you're going to rebuild, only rebuild this subset. And so we need, we've tried a, a couple of different ways to get this accomplished and it's he's got he's got some cool ideas on the watch uh plugin itself we want to actually build that functionality into grunt itself so that grunt handles the watching like like a rake pipeline or, or guard or something like that where That'd be awesome yeah and so this is something we want to do but this is a this is a large undertaking because basically what that means is that grunt will have to say to a plugin hey plugin like Given this dependency, what are some additional dependencies? The plugin is going to have to actually respond back and give it some. And then now Grunt knows what to watch. When Grunt actually watches files for changing, uh, it'll watch all of the files that it knows about. And then it'll take the subset and it'll have to intelligently pass those into the plugin using the correct configuration, which is, I, I have a feeling really it's going to require a rewrite of Grunt. But that's something I'm kind of working on. I'm just working on from the ground up uh, because, like, in order to get to that part of Grunt, I, I have to do so many other things. Like right now I'm working on the logging system. And this is me. I've spent weeks working on the logging system, more than weeks. I don't know, because I want to get it right. And there's a lot of, I have a lot of requirements 
<laughs> and uh, like here, here's something that's going to be in an upcoming version of Grunt. Tasks will have their own level of logging, like, and Grunt itself will have a global logging system, and task logging will be streamed into uh, Grunt's global logging system, and so that all of the errors and and success messages and all that stuff can be sent to standard error standard out at the Grunt level. But we could say for every single task, write all of the tasks logging output to a file, and so. For example, like for continuous integration people, they're going to love that. You'll be able to run Grunt. All of Grunt's output will be standard out, standard error, pipeable, streamable, whatever you want. But then every, if you want to, you could say, hey, every single task will get its own log file written out in a directory or something like that. So like, these are the kinds of things we're thinking about. But like, you know, I have to write this code. So we're writing it and experimenting with it. Is, uh, is that so? As I've been writing some command line tools lately, I've built Ember tools and recently Loom for generating things. And, uh, I've, I, I really like the way that Grunt outputs things. Is that, and, and like I keep wishing, man, I wish that thing were a separate component. Are you thinking about doing that or is that? Oh yeah. The, the logger, I'm working on this thing called Prolog, not to be confused with the language. Um, uh, and it's, it's, it's really a work in progress. It's in my own cowboy, um, uh, awesome. GitHub slash Cowboy slash Prolog and uh, or Node Prolog, and it's um, it, right now it doesn't look anything like Grunt's output because I'm trying to make it general. It looks a lot more like npm log, and I'm trying to figure out exactly how I want Grunt's output to look. So I'm gonna figure that out, but I'm trying to make it super uber customizable, and it's gonna it's all event based, and it's gonna use streams as well, so you'll be able to pipe things everywhere you want in a bazillion different ways uh, with different levels and stuff like that. So. That's like that's just one of the things we're working on. We definitely want to improve grunt performance for large projects. But like, let me put it this way: if you wanted to right now, say you have a task that builds CoffeeScript files. If you wanted that that plugin that you wrote to have all of that guard functionality built in, imagine this: imagine you write a little library that takes a list of files and it give it a temporary directory, point it to. And all that does is it takes, when you say, hey, CoffeeScript plugin, compile all this stuff, it will take that entire list of CoffeeScript files. It will use that little module that you're requiring that takes that list of files, checks to see if they have been modified since the last M time stored in a temp file in that temp directory. And then that will actually filter that list to a subset of files that will then get compiled. It would be very easy for anyone to write a lib that takes a list of files and maybe a temp directory and like checks m times to see if the files should be recompiled and and you could make you could make a smart coffee script grunt plugin using that lib and if you make the lib generic enough every single grunt plugin could use that and you wouldn't even have to be part of grunt i mean i'm just saying like if we want to solve the problem right now just write a little lib to do that i mean trivial right it's, it's actually ex- very easy that's exactly what I started doing last <laughs> night for uh, the ES6 module transpiler. <laughs> That's what I said. I mean, uh, Yehuda and Tom, I mean, they want to be able to use Grunt and Ember, but it's just not, you know, fast enough for them. And I said, write this lib, put it in the tasks you're going to use, problem solved. I mean, we can, yeah. you know, we can write other tools instead of Grunt or we can wait until Grunt has it. But for right now, we can solve the problem. This is like, this is not rocket science. It's actually pretty simple and it would totally do the job. And then later on, once Grunt's smarter, that that we could that could just be obsoleted, you know. But right now, that would totally work for compiling large sets of files. So I have a question. It seems like Grunt has taken off, for sure, in in front end development. It feels like there's a little bit of 
reluctance or opposition to it in the Node community specifically? Have you noticed that, or am I just noticing different um, things than you? I mean, I know some people who use Grunt for their Node stuff. I know some people who don't. Like, I uh, the Node community is interesting, and I um, I don't really consider myself to be a member of it, even though I use Node all the time, because uh, I I hear a lot of people referring to the Node community as this is this kind of like insular, like kind of a negative thing. And I, I don't know what it is. I don't really understand. I don't really care. It doesn't matter to me because I'm not trying to address any community's needs. I'm trying to make something that works good for me, uh, which is always what I've done. And people seem to like the stuff that I make for me. And of course, I've, I've got a lot of feedback from other people. So that's, of course, invaluable. But if people think it's going to meet their needs, that's great. It's awesome. A lot of people think it's overkill. Like, I still have people, why would I do this? I'll just use make. And I'm like, all right, dude, use make. I mean, I know why I'm not going to use make. Uh, it's not like, it, there's so many reasons why, but JSON handling is like number one on my list. And then cross-platform. I mean, Grunt runs on every OS node runs on because it's completely JavaScript uh, under the hood. There's no comp- compilation of anything. So like my suggestion for people is that like, if you want to change your development process, check out Grunt. If you're happy with what you have, just keep using what you have. Like Grunt, it's gotten popular for a reason, I guess. But like I use Grunt and I wrote Grunt and there's so many things that I've done in it that like I look at and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I did it this way. Like this is horrible. <laughs> and so I'm surprised that people use Grunt, but they do. It's a, it's kind of a, a, the uh, it's becoming a standard, I guess, for uh, doing kind of JavaScript based task o- automation. Mostly driven, I think, just because there's so many plugins written for it, and it seems to be relatively easy to get started using. Especially if you're using a tool like like Yeoman or something, which will build out project scaffolding with a Grunt file in it or something like that. Sure. Um, or the or the old Grunt init. Um, but I like. When I create a node project, I use my grunt init template, which is the old init thing that was built into grunt as a separate tool. And I like, I have a template for like a, for a node project that just, it gives me all the stuff that I need with basic unit testing and the scaffolding that I need to get it set up. And then I just kind of fill in the blanks and it, it just makes it less work for me. So that's why I use it. But I don't know. It's, it's, I'm like, I'm not going to change anyone's mind because like until I needed to use Grunt, like I didn't start looking for alternatives. I just just did what I was doing. I used shell scripts. You know, that was great for me. It was only once I developed a need to change it that I really started researching and looking around and finally ended up giving up on all that and writing my own thing. Sure, um, that makes sense. And a lot of people, to be honest, a lot of people in the quote-unquote node community, I mean, it's like they're the they're the kind of people that when I um, when I seriously went into the Node.js channel that first time and said, "All right, I need to uh, manage like some kind of queue of uh, of callbacks that are all going to happen asynchronously." What you know? Does anyone recommend oh, no. a library? Does, it, does can anyone recommend a library for me to use? And like like three people were like, "Just write it yourself." And I'm like, "Guys, I mean, I can write it myself, but I just want to work on the other stuff, you know." And like, so I ended up using async. It works great, you know. But there's a whole bunch of other things and. You know, promises, I can't wait to use promises and yield and generators and all that kind of stuff. Yippee skippy, you know. But at the time, the kind of vibe I got was like, hey, write your own. And I'm like, great, that's not really what the answer I was looking for. And and that's like the 
quote unquote note community seems to be very like, Hey, do it yourself, which is cool. You Unless know, but you like, hate that. well, oh, it gets I, I just, on my nerves I, so much. Cause I, I think there should be simple ways to do simple things like what you're saying. Well, and there are, there are a lot of ways to do it. There's a lot of stuff out there and there's a lot of, there's an NPM search, uh, will, you know, get you what you need to find. You can find it now, but like, there's just, you know, you know, like IRC chat rooms, the way people are, you know, like they're just like, you ask them a question that you totally don't understand and they answer it. And then they say, of course, at the end, like, like, of course, <laughs> you know, the answer to this, even though you just asked the question because you had no idea what the answer was, of course, right? It's like, it's that, that kind of attitude. So I don't like what long story short, I don't really care who uses it. I, I love it when people use it. And I really especially love it when people use it in a way that I hadn't anticipated and give me feedback that helps me make it better. That is really, really awesome. Or when someone is like, oh, wow, they're using Grunt is being used by some of the less uh, CSS guys created this thing called Automate, which is basically like kind of like Jekyll, but as a, a Grunt plugin, you know, it builds a static site, a static site generator. That's that's cool. And they use Grunt to power that. OK, I mean, because Grunt makes like the wildcard handling and some of the file stuff easy, you know, for them. That's like some of the stuff I built in a Grunt because I don't want to have to create a directory, an entire series of directories to create a file in foo slash bar slash bash slash test.js. I want something that does that for me automatically. So I have a, a make dir p function that gets called inside of my file create method automatically if it needs to be called because I'm lazy like that, right? People like that. So that's why they use grunt. If you don't need that, don't use grunt. Whatever. So I want to jump in with a specific question. Um, sure. I'm a relative grunt newcomer. There are other people at work that are a lot more familiar with it than I am. But my first impression in using it was that it seemed, I didn't understand the decision to separate the task loading from the task configuration. Um, I guess that's kind of where I was going with my node question. It, it's written in node, but it doesn't feel very node like, right? If I, well, I don't understand all the in- internals very well, but if like just off the top of my head, if I was doing something like this, I'd make loading tasks. Like you require a file that gives you a function that you pass in the configuration. But Grunt does things very differently where you have your configuration object and then you call like load task and stuff like that. Do you want to talk about the why of some of those decisions? It's like Dom ready. Well, it's like though the why was that I just didn't I didn't know enough about Node to do it the way you're suggesting. Like and so in the future what I would I would like to have more like, you know, when you have a grunt plugin in your package JSON file, instead of saying grunt.load npm tasks grunt dash foo, you would like require grunt dash foo in some way and, and do it in a more node like way. So this this came out of me not really knowing enough about node and really kind of wanting to fight a lot of the design decisions in node because they frustrated me because I kind of didn't understand them at the time. I understand them a lot better now. And so oh, I that's want That's a really to honest think, thing to say. Oh well I mean like I've this has been a huge learning process for me. I mean uh, grunt works um, and I put a lot of effort into making it work and to try to make it as elegant as possible, but I fought the, the NPM and node conventions very, very hard for a long time. In fact, I'm still fighting some of them, some that I legitimately am not huge, a huge fan of, but like a, a lot of it are, are mistakes. Like I, I should like, I grunt shouldn't have been installed globally. Although that being said, when it was first installed globally, it probably got a lot of people who would otherwise have been scared of it to use it that didn't, wouldn't have used it. 
And then when it got them to like, they had to migrate over, they kind of complained about it, but they did it. And now they're using it. Now they're doing it the right way. So kind of like, it was probably kind of good that I did it wrong to start because it got a lot of people who otherwise would have just been like, oh God, another local NPM, blah, blah, blah. I hate this thing to try it, install it globally, and then reluctantly switch over to having it be local later on. Although I still get people asking why they can't install it globally. And we just have a set response for that. But yeah, I've done I've done a lot of things the wrong way. Um, one of the things I do really like in Grunt is that you can specify the configuration all in one thing. And I like the idea of saying, okay, let's load the JS Hint plugin and here's the JS Hint plugin's configuration and just do that here. And then on another part, like load the Uglify plugins, uh, the uh, load that one, require it, and then give it its configuration. And so I could do it like that. But one of the things that I really like about having one large configuration object is that if you have data that you want to share across them, I have a kind of declarative syntax for doing that, which means that, yes, you can use JavaScript variables to do all of your stuff and create a, you know, if you have redundant file paths, you can just reference those variables in the configuration in different places. But like, what if you actually wanted to make your JSON, uh, make that whole configuration a JSON file or a YAML file that doesn't actually, that's completely declarative? You can do that. And you can, uh, actually create like almost circular references from some paths to other places in that config file with a, I use actually low dash templates through there. And so that allows you to kind of create your config more declaratively. If you didn't want to, like seriously, you can literally register a task that is a function that just does whatever the heck you want in the function. Tasks are functions, write a function. You know, the only thing you might be surprised at is that by default, all functions, all tasks are synchronous. You actually have to set a flag to make them asynchronous because you know why? Because most people using Grunt aren't super familiar with Node and they don't really understand the whole asynchronous thing. And so I'm using synchronous methods everywhere. Uh, under the hood, it's all async, but like all the file methods and stuff, they're all synchronous. Now, once I add, I want to add promises. I have a lot of ideas about what I want to do there. Th- things will change. I want them to still be just as easy to use for people, but I want them to be much more powerful for people who want to like step outside the bounds um, of kind of the the super simple grunt scripting. But that's just, these are on the drawing board. Awesome. It, it's it's really interesting to hear you talk about where this could go and some of the things that you could do with it. And, uh, you know, just kind of spell out some of the processes that you went through in evolving this from, you know, sort of a really simple tool to things that people, to a tool that people use to do all kinds of, of uh, process things and, and tasks as they need for their applications. Yeah, the, all, all I can say is the best thing that I ever did was uh, Tyler Cullen basically came up to me and he was like, I want to maintain a set of official contrib plugins. Like, and I don't want them to be in grunt. And he had to kind of explain it to me. Cause I was like, no, they should be in grunt and we should install it globally. And we talked about it for a while and he really helped me understand a few things. He's done some stuff with Ruby and, and stuff in the past. So he's, he's pretty, pretty smart guy when it comes to this stuff. Um, and he really helped me understand that these grunt plugins need to be separate things. And Oh my God, like by making them separate projects, like they all have their own issues repo. People can maintain them. I've given, uh, I've got a couple people helping me. Cindersaurus, uh, Vlad Filipov, uh, Kyle uh, Robinson, uh, Tyler Kellen. These guys are helping me maintain some of the plugins um, and Grunt itself. 
those guys, they can republish a plugin. I don't care. The only thing I care about is Grunt itself. Like I need, I need to make sure that, that, that is exactly what I'm expecting. But the plugins, they're maintained by other people. I don't have to think about that anymore. So like if they're in good hands, people are, the official ones are being maintained by the smart guys on the Grunt team. And, uh, I'm not really worrying about that. It takes a lot of the burden off of my shoulders. So. I've had some really, really amazing suggestions come from members of the community who have gone on to maintain plugins themselves or actually contribute code to Grunt or, or just to help me come up with ideas. I mean, it's been it's been a lot of work and it will continue to be a lot of work. I mean, it's taking up most of my time, but it's been a great experience in like helping people uh, contribute to an open source project in a meaningful way. It's it's been it's been pretty cool. One other question I have, and this is something that I like to do on open source projects on GitHub, is if you click on the contributors list. Now, usually um, on a lot of these projects of the size that we're talking about here with Grunt, you usually see, you know, a handful of people who are kind of the top committers. And on this one, it's kind of interesting because you've got over a thousand commits and the next person has 26 commits. I'm a little curious to hear what you have to say. What what does that say about the project as a whole? You're talking about Grunt itself? Grunt itself, yes. Yeah, I haven't... I've been, like... Well... It's the plugins, right? It's uh, everything you've been talking about because everyone else maintains the plugins and Grunt... Yeah, know, the plugins most have got a lot works. of activity. Well, the the thing with Grunt is that, like, I'm still trying to figure out exactly how I want it to behave. And I have yet to meet somebody who is on the same page with me. Like if I were, if someone came into the grunt channel and was like, literally like I could see that they had my same vision for how grunt would behave, then they might be committing to it and making changes. But I all the time am getting people like make suggestions. I get, we have to close PRs all the time. Like I, I spent a lot of time just closing PRs. I want community involvement, but I just find that the vast majority of people are not putting the level of thought into the changes that they make that they need to put into something that that is this important. I mean, it's very important to me. I, I think it's important to a lot of other people. But like all the time, I see changes that like where someone it's it's just it's very obviously a band aid. Someone is approaching something from the completely wrong direction, or it just opens up like a whole can of worms. Like I think that. I, I hate to say this, but I feel that like a lot of people just don't really get what I'm doing. And I, I see a lot of code that's just not, not great. Honestly, um, I have had some great contributions. There haven't been many. And actually there were probably more, but a while back, like I did this weird rebase and, uh, back from like going from zero three to zero four. And so maybe a lot of those contributions might have gotten lost. I, I don't really know. I know I've been very, uh, very territorial with, with Grunt itself, with commits, but I know I did some crazy rebase thing back uh, when I released 0.4 going around there that had caused me to rewrite all the history. But yeah, like I'm, I'm totally open to stuff, but like if you want something in Grunt, you need to really, really be able to defend it. I'm not going to put anything in there unless there's like a really, really good reason. I mean, just think about like, it's probably really hard to get something in the node core, right? because you really need to defend it. I, I feel I feel very strongly about Grunt. Like I take it very seriously and I'm open to ideas by all means, but I'm not going to just throw something in there because it kind of seems like a good idea. It has to be like, you know, I have to see it and be like, 
a, like a light dawns on me and I'm like, oh my God, that is absolutely correct. Like that is what we need. So I guess I'm just picky. Yeah, maybe it, I mean, it, it cuts both ways, right? You know, that, that feature that I absolutely feel like I need, you know, it, it makes it harder for me to get that in. The flip side is, is I, if I'm the only person that needs it, then it means that, uh, if you put it in, then you have to maintain it and everybody else has to deal with the consequences of adding that code. You know, all the other users have to deal with any consequences of adding that code to the project. So, yeah, so it makes sense. Code, it, it just, you know, depends on where you're coming from with it. Grunt at its core is like a task running system. Like there's not a lot that you need in Grunt, to be honest. Like there are a few things that I definitely want to add in there functionality wise. And there are some issues around like flushing things to like standard out because of the way node handles it. Um, that I, there, there are definitely like a few things that I need to get in there and fix, but like a lot of the things that people need, they don't really need, they can do them in, in totally different ways. They just are not, they're just not aware of it. And so a lot of, t- a lot of tickets are generally closed with like, Oh no, you can actually do that this way, but we really appreciate the code. Thanks. Thanks. Anyways. Uh, do the do this instead. Yep. So we're we're run, winding down on time. Um, are there other questions that you guys have about Grunt or anything that you feel like we should have talked about, Ben? Um. No. I mean, I I just I'm really psyched that that so many people have been interested in the project and have um have used it and written like tutorials. I'm trying to figure out a, a few things right now with the project. Like we would like. Like there's been three blog posts on gruntjs.com because I don't have the time to do that. So we're trying to figure out some way to, you know, if anyone out there really is really interested in grunt and wants to like work on community stuff with us, that would be great. Like writing tutorials or, or at least even maintaining things or tweeting or whatever. Like we're always looking for help for like maintaining plugins. Um, if you have really cool ideas about how grunt could be better, please talk to us. I mean, I've probably thought about whatever you're going to throw at me more than you have. And so I'm probably going to, it's going to be hard to convince me, but it has been done. And Grunt has definitely been made better as a result of some people taking a little bit of effort and like explaining to me, like really letting me understand, uh, you know, why it should be better and showing me some examples and stuff like that. So I'm totally open. I just, I'm just super psyched that people are using this thing and, you know, thankful. It's been, it's been a good experience. I got one more question for you, Ben. Sure. How's the bass coming? You know, uh, I with my back, it's been tough. I haven't really been playing it very much lately, but I've been playing a lot of piano. Nice. Yeah. I have a right here next to me. I haven't played it in a couple hours, but I don't know if you can hear it. <coughs> oh, new intro song. Yeah, we can hear it. Boom, it's done. Awesome. That's so rad. You're good at piano. I just wanted to ask if there's. He's still jamming. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to ask if there's. Uh, wait, Jameson anything... and I have been trying to put together a JavaScript band, so you're you're in with the keyboard. Yeah. No, no. I want to play the bass, dude. I can't play the keyboards like in a band. Fine. I just play my own stuff. I'll play the bass. Okay. Sorry, <laughs> but it, got, it has to be funky. The band. Well, I could play to the bass too, because then we could have two basses. That'd be that'd be pretty rad. Dueling hey, <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. So is there anything you would do differently if you were starting Grunt over from scratch? <laughs> yeah, like everything. <laughs> um, well, so 
it's 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 a chicken and egg kind of thing, right? Like a lot of the things that I'm doing right now are breaking out some of the functionality that's been built into Grunt into separate modules, which I couldn't really have done early on because I didn't know what I was going to need until I made it. Like yeah, it's I like don't problem. Yeah, and I don't really have a long history of building like very super modular projects, and so like this is. Basically, I build something monolithic and then I break it up into little pieces. I mean, that's that's how my brain works. And so I would like to say that I would have built all the modular first and, uh, you know, and then, you know, made it easier to maintain. But I just know that my brain doesn't think that way. So that that's kind of one of those like that would have been nice, but forget it. So in, in terms of having really done things differently, I would have done a better job of, okay, the single biggest thing of I would have made Grunt an instance so that instead of a singleton, so that I can create multiple instances, each with their own state, so that I could test it much easier and you could test Grunt plugins much easier. That's the single biggest thing. And I, I tweeted a while back. <laughs> I, I tweeted uh, like a, a month or two ago. I just said singletons are the problem. Like, because every time you make something a singleton, it just means that if you want to test it, you can't use it in the thing that you're using to do the testing. Um, and I found that out to be the hard way. I can't use, I use grunt to test grunt, but in a very limited way. <clears throat> so I, and I, and the way I'm, I make all my libs now pretty much like I, I make them as instances so that I can create a new instance of my logging library. So I could have 10 logging libraries and they can all work side by side or whatever, like lots more flexibility. So that's one of the biggest things I would have done would have made grunt uh have a grunt constructor and and create a new instance that would have all been transparent behind the scenes but it would have allowed me to test it better and another thing i would have done is i would have decoupled the cli behaviors from the lib the underlying lib behaviors more like i did it but i did it as an afterthought and so as a result like if you're trying to you can use grunt as a lib but like you can do certain things in grunt that are just going to take down your whole app because grunt is, it will really consume like, you know, it'll do like process.exit and stuff like that. So I would have been a little smarter. And that's one of the things I'll, I'll do moving forward in grunt. Uh, you know, things that I want to do in grunt, I want to make it completely usable as a standalone lib. And the CLI will be built around that so that you don't have to worry about it misbehaving if you're using it as a lib. Uh, it, you'll be able to create an instance of grunt. Plugins will be more generic. Uh, and they won't necessarily be grunt plugins, although that would be a really nice to have. There's a lot of work would be need to, needed be done to have that happen. I would love to use uh, alternative uh, flow control like promises uh, in tasks, or at least support that. And so I don't know really know how I would do that yet, but I've been giving it some thought. And I want to like make things just more extensible. Like I added an event emitter into Grunt for 0.4, but I haven't really used it, so it's not really doing anyone any good. I mean, certain plugins utilize it. But Grunt itself doesn't do that to say like, hey, a task has started, a task is ending. So I will emit a lot more events in a future version of Grunt. And those are all things that I wish I had done earlier, but they, they will get added in there. The big challenge, the single biggest challenge is the upgrade path for people. I want to add all this stuff into Grunt, but I, so many people complained about how hard it was to upgrade from Grunt 03 to 04. And it wasn't really that hard, but people wanted to, you know, like they, they didn't like that. So I want to make it easier for people to upgrade from 04 to whatever current, whatever future version I'm going to have that like uses just, just maybe some kind of like lib inside that's like a back compat library or something like that. I don't know what that's going to be, but you know, that's one of the things I really want to keep the users happy 
but though that's that's my list and it's not really a big list i feel i feel really happy about what it's what it's done i just i i, I just have never actually got to use grunt to republish all my jQuery plugins. <laughs> like the reason I created it, I'm, the I'm not purpose. the jQuery plugin guy anymore. I'm the, I'm the grunt guy. So I haven't had any time to really adapt it into my plugins yet. So there's that, but I got no complaints. Man. It's all good. That's awesome. That's sweet. Well, we're, we're kind of at the end of our time, so I'm going to wrap this up. We'll get into the picks. Let's have Ryan go first. All right. I got, I got two picks. Number one is web components. <laughs> If you use an Angular or Ember or neither, just start messing around with web components, uh, whether it's Ember's component or an Angular directive, or go grab Polymer and grab just the platform library and start screwing around with it. Uh, it really changes the way that you do front-end development or at least gives you a better way to do what you wish you always could have. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm just having a blast. I'm an Ember component Rambo right now. <laughs> and then my second pick is something that I've been doing in my personal life lately and that I have removed all sarcasm or at least attempted to. And I got to tell you, it is life-changing. All relationships are better. Uh, communicating with people is always better. And uh, my wife my wife said to me when I told her I was going to do this, she said, well, are you not going to be funny anymore? And, um, <laughs> and as, it, as it turns out, um, there's always like a meta joke. If you're going to give a joke sarcastically, there's this joke behind the words that you can tell in a way that it's not sarcastic. Or, instead, it's a joke that's you're trying to convey some sort of feelings, and maybe you can't present it as a joke if you're actually being sincere, but then, instead of the person on the other end, like, wondering, oh, no, what does he really think about me? Instead, they know what they think, and it's usually a really high compliment to them and makes them feel good. So, basically, if you're going to say something sarcastic, there's a way to say it non-sarcastically that always leads to better communication, and if you can't think of a way to say it non-sarcastically, it's not worth what it might do to the other person's thoughts. Awesome. That's a good one. You, you know, I, agree I, I, I need to say that, that I, I, I try to be relatively non-sarcastic and I, and, uh, and the, the, the toughest thing for me, honestly, is hearing other people be sarcastic and you just want to be like, no, no, you don't have to do that. You don't have to be that way. And it's just, you know, it's tough, but, uh, but yeah, just you know, lead by example. It's uh, it's it's positivity, man. It's bad. Yeah, I'm I'm hypersensitive now to when people are sarcastic, and I, I don't yeah. say anything. I don't get like all, oh, you shouldn't do that. But um, uh, yeah, it's 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 been it's been great. I'm actually been planning on like maybe writing a little article and putting it online or something about it. I've got a bunch of examples of things that I said that were sarcastic, and then I'm like, oh wait, let me let me take that back and actually tell you what I'm really feeling, or uh, let me try to tell that joke differently. And, uh, and I do that every time I catch myself being sarcastic, I say, I'm sorry, let me try that again. And, um, it's now to the point where I don't really do that anymore. Uh, but yeah, it's been awesome. Give it a shot. Awesome. Uh, Jameson, what are you, what are your picks? I have one pick and it is the greatest pick that I've ever picked. It's this cartoon that's on YouTube called Bee and Puppy Cat. It's by the, one of the storyboard <laughs> artists behind Adventure Time. Um, and it's just 10 minutes of, of bliss. It's so good. It is it's, so absurdist. It's I amazing. watched it after you, I watched it after you tweeted it and yeah, it, it's awesome. Yeah. Other people might not love it as much as I do, but it's, it's like the perfect <laughs> sense of humor for my brain just crafted directly for me. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's like really sweet. It's kind of, I mean, you could show it to your kids. I don't know if they'd think it was as funny as I did, but it's, it's amazing. So yeah, that's my pick. Watch Bee and Puppy Cat, like 10 minutes long. Awesome. 
AJ, what are your picks? Uh, so I've picked this before, I'm pretty sure, but I'm going to pick it again because I love Monoprice. It makes my heart happy almost as much as Amazon. Lots of really, what? You've been living less than your potential. <laughs> <laughs> nah, he's got being puppy cat. Yeah, oh, man. okay. That's, that's possibly true. <laughs> so Monoprice is, you know, those monster cables that they sell at Best Buy for like $150 for like three foot of cable. Oh yeah, they well, sound so good. Yeah, Monoprice has all of those <laughs> for like fifty cents. Well, they have fifty cents for the cheap ones that normally cost like eight dollars, and then it's like three dollars for the ones that normally cost fifty dollars. So it's just like all your cables and stuff, and they're kind of branching out and they're starting to do more things. Like they have a extremely highly well reviewed five point one home theater system, but it doesn't come with a receiver, so I haven't bought it. I don't know about it, like how awesome it is, but I've. I've bought some of their other stuff that's like not just cables and connectors, but that's actual legitimate product. I can't remember off the top of my head what, but I know I have. And and all their stuff is good. And if you buy the cheap stuff that's 50 cents, then you get like cheap, crappy 50 cents stuff like you expect. But if you pay the $3 for the same cable to get the premium version, it's like really, really good. And by the way, if you're ever having problems with audio, it's either that you've got a ground loop You've got noisy power or you're using bad cables. And if you're using monoprice premium cables, you're not using bad cables. And you can get then, like iPhone cables from them for like $2, right? Yeah. Now the iPhone cables they have, they, I think they, they might have some premium ones now, but they're the ones Ooh. where you're going to want to buy them like 20 of them for like $5 or whatever it comes out to be. They're really, really cheap and they're not good. They will break. Um, but they may have a premium one now. I haven't looked on. Oh, well, actually, they do have a premium one. They have a three-in-one that is both an iPod and a Android and a camera USB uh, connector. And that one holds up really well. It's a nice, thick cable. The The cheaper ones, the cheaper iPod alone ones are like super flimsy and they'll eventually break. But the other thing that I was going to mention is I have this screencast on Grunt.js because Merrick introduced me to Grunt and I fell in love with it after about 15 seconds. I like, I think he was like mid sentence explaining and the vision came clear and I had Wait, that. wait, wait, wait. What did Merrick have to say about Grunt? I'm curious. He loves Grunt. He loves <laughs> really? it. He was really yeah. bummed he couldn't be here. Oh, I had no idea. Oh, yeah. I, I, he seems such a, he seems like, you know, a thoughtful yet very skeptical guy, you know, and he like is. I, didn't know how he how he'd feel about it. All right, that's cool. Uh, he is like the biggest the... grunt fan on the show. Wow. Yeah. So he introduced me, and I and I fell in love with it, and I made a screencast because I wanted to be able to remember what it was that he had taught me, and it's cool. like my most popular screencast. People people are certainly there's. I mean, here's the thing. Like I, I've I've written some documentation on grunt. There's a getting started guide. And there's um, a configuring task guide, which are like the two biggies. But like, there's nothing like actually seeing a grunt file or having someone explain it to you because this stuff, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to ingest. Like your brain is going to overflow with, with like, oh my God, syntax, declarative, blah, blah, insanity. So, so it's like, yeah, having those little guides where someone is like, and this is what I do. And here's the file and watch, I'll change this and see what happens, you know, like. I find those to be so helpful. So I'm glad. I'm glad. That's that's really cool. Took me 15 months, not 15 minutes. <laughs> oh. 
I had been kind of working on building something similar. And Jameson, I think you actually were part of that at one point, right? No, I think that was after I left. Okay. Well, anyway, I was, I was kind of building something similar to Grunt, and then Grunt came along, and I was like, okay, this does everything that I want, and I don't have to write it myself. And a lot of times, I'll still write stuff myself, because most people's stuff... No, that would be a wrong way to say this. There's a lot of stuff out there. 90% of it's crap, 10% of it's really good. And sometimes I can't find that 10% that I feel is good or that I think is good. And so I just write my own stuff. But Grunt was very clearly a win. And it had just moved to 0.4, so that was my introduction to it. And that might be why I didn't have the abrasiveness that some of the people with 0.3 had. Mm. Very nice. All right, I'm going to do my picks. So the first one is a Wired article, and it is How Segregated Your City Is. And it was really interesting because uh, they were talking about geographic uh, segregation. And, uh, you know, I think people in general feel like uh, we do pretty well these days with, you know, kind of blending in our cities so that you don't have, you know, huge sections of the town that are um, one particular ethnicity or another. And uh, this was pretty interesting to see how several large cities are actually broken up by uh, this is racial or ethnic uh, groupings. And uh, yeah, you'll, you'll sit there and you'll, you'll scroll through it and see that, you know, there are actually certain areas that certain ethnicities tend to have. And uh, so, yeah, a very, very interesting way of, of looking at it. And they do have a map of the entire U S and uh, that was also interesting to, to see. So uh, go check that out. Um, the other pick I have is more of an abstract pick, kind of like not being sarcastic, and that is clean off your desk. It's amazing how much easier it is for me to sit down and get to work. And it's not so much that I had stuff in my way that physically prevented me from getting to work, but I would sit down and I would always feel like there was all this stuff kind of weighing on me. And having cleaned off my desk, I just feel like I can just sit down and get to work. And it's a mental thing. And I, I don't completely understand it, but it's real. And it made a huge difference just uh, getting everything cleared off. And, and uh, you know, I, I scanned a whole bunch of paper and then threw it away and things like that. But, you know, all of those things really contributed to my overall uh, feeling of well-being when I sit at my desk. So I'm going to pick that too. Ben, what are your picks? I've got a couple. Um, let's see. One of the picks I have is uh, Polygon.com. Uh, this is a. I'm really into gaming, video games, uh, etc. Been playing games with a handful of people uh, for uh, 14 years, and this uh, this site really stands out uh, above and beyond like a lot of the other review sites. Um, they have like they have a very strong ethical mission. Um, they are very sensitive to things like that a lot of um review sites kind of brush under the rug or take for granted like regarding like you know the a lot of the game tropes with like kind of misogynistic overtones and stuff like that they're they seem to be relatively sensitive to that plus they're really funny guys uh they put out a podcast every week called the besties which i find hilarious um i just think it's really 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 a fantastic site to get really good quality game reviews opinions, information, just like really great. I strongly recommend checking out polygon.com. Those guys also put out, uh, the guys that run it put out a podcast called my brother, my brother and me, which I also think is hilarious. Um, but, uh, so that's, that's, uh, one of my picks, uh, polygon, I guess I'll 
probably give you a link to my brother, my brother and me. They have a website uh, as well. And then uh, my other pick is uh, Echophone. I want to mention uh, this is the uh, the Twitter client that I use on my Mac. I think they discontinued it and they brought it back. I don't know. I'm using a really old version. The reason I use it is because it's very easy to block people because so many friggin' people mistweet at Cowboy everything at me all the time at Cowboy Stadium. Hey, drinking beers at Cowboy Stadium, like 10 in a row. <laughs> I, can, I can block that person once and all of their tweets just disappear. I, I choose my, uh, my Twitter client by ease of blocking people. And Echophone is really good at that. And uh, this isn't um, this isn't a pick or anything, but I do just want to say thank you guys so much for having me on. And I also want to thank all the people at Boku that I work with. They're super awesome and they're super helpful. And Boku is like, it's we're a company. We do stuff, you know, like we do consulting and training. But also Boku is really, really committed to open source. And, uh, and I'm really glad that I'm able to work on Grunt and add the kind of value that Grunt brings into our community. And book who like helps me and lets me do that. So that's super cool. I just wanted to thank them. So yeah, it's got to feel cool that your company has made the, the web better, not just it, made you guys money. I mean, it's our mission, you know, and it's like, it's, it's really, it's hard to like take something like grunt, which is just me throwing a bunch of code into like the community and then promoting it. Like it's hard to kind of attach value to that. You know, it's really abstract, but you know, like so many people are like, dude, this is, this has saved me so much time. This has really helped out. And so it's like, it's really awesome for, for me to be able to, 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 to work on that. But it's really awesome for Boku. I mean, we, we love that we have projects like, you know, like, uh, Irene's got her Miso, uh, project for data visualization. Rick has his Johnny five project, you know, like a lot of us work on uh, a handful of us work on jQuery, um, at Boku. Like we we're doing a lot of really cool things and we're just giving it away. Uh, because it's awesome to be able to do that. And so we, it's just, it's really, really amazing to be able to, uh, to do that and to be able to teach people, you know, do what I do all the time, but, you know, for, for classes of JavaScript or jQuery noobs or whatever. So, so I love that. So I just wanted to kind of publicly thank Boku. Awesome. Yeah. We love companies that do that. So yeah, thanks to them too. Uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and wrap up the show. Uh, thanks guys for, uh, for coming and, uh, thanks again, Ben, for, for coming and talking to us about Grunt. Oh, yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right, well, we'll catch you all next week. Thank you.